Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside Two Guys, One Shaker Cup, the epic podcast featuring Josh Shaw from J. Shaw Consulting. Some say he's the most brilliant man, man in sports nutrition. I'll argue that. I won't. He's actually, he's very intelligent. Uh, Ryan Buckeye here. This week's episode, kind of a, a topic that, Josh, you're a little bit closer to, and a topic that actually through my platform is getting brought up more and more. And I have brands that reach out to me and say, Ryan, what do you think of this? And for a while there, I was kind of like, you know, it, it doesn't really mean a whole lot yet. Um, and the topic that we're going to talk about today is like that third-party certification. So we don't mean third-party testing through um, like a, a testing lab saying, yep, you know, you have the purity results that you say you do, but more so like banned substance-free or NSF and like these different third-party certifications that – require a payment for licensing, but also it kind of gives consumers sort of that pre-purchase confidence that what they're buying isn't going to get them into trouble. What they're buying is actually, um, what, what they say is on that label is actually in that product. And there are a lot of different certification programs out there, and I think we'll talk about a couple of them specifically on this program, and whether or not is it worth it to a supplement brand to consider it. Because you and I both know, Josh, supplement brands uh, in large don't like to spend money on things that they don't feel are necessary, right? Like, they have a hard time spending money on marketing, which is one of the most important things they probably should spend money on. So if I'm this third-party company approaching, you know, a company like, I would say ProSubs, just because they're big and for whatever reason they're on top of my head. Like, if Banned Substance Free comes up to ProSubs and say, hey, it's going to cost you X per unit as a licensing fee or whatever, or this, this, you know, yearly fee subscription, you should do it. Most companies are probably like, but why? Is it going to really help my sales? And I think that's where the question comes in for brands is like, will this stamp actually give me the bump in sales that I want? And, I th- and that's the way we, we typically think about like investments is what's the ROI on this stamp? Um, overall, Josh, before we hop into like the specifics of it, what's your general consensus and feeling on these third-party programs that exist that are out in the market today? You know, that's it's kind of a loaded question because I think there's a ton of different ways I can look at that one. But I think from if I was a consumer, I would definitely pick up products that have some type of third party testing around it. And that's not to say that there is a ton of brands that don't have third party testing um, certifications on there and uh, they're bad. I'm just saying that. There is a lot of things variable-wise on the manufacturing side that can create problems for a consumer. And some of the things are not maliciously done. I'm not saying that people are, are trying to uh, pixie dust or under, under um, you know, dose things or anything like that. But what I'm saying is that through the manufacturing process and the way that you the supply chain and everything happens, uh, there are some things that could potentially happen that can adulterate a supplement and there are if you're not being processed in a very um, efficient large contract manufacturer that does have a lot of those internal processes to at least catch the bare minimum of things on there you are setting yourself up for potentially things in your body that might not necessarily should be or, or you'd want to be in there and a third party certification goes in and validates not only like what's actually in the product, but also like manufacturing, like this is finished goods type of a testing. So it's not necessarily um, where your contract manufacturer will do testing maybe with some of the raw ingredients, maybe they'll do batch testing or something like that, where a lot of times these are third party certifications on finished goods. 
So the finished goods is what you as a consumer are buying. Right. So it is essentially assuming if it has that seal on that product, it has went through whatever testing that those um, companies have uh, put in terms of their testing protocol and saying that this is safe and pure for whatever. And, and the NSF is kind of the, I guess, considered the highest one. I wouldn't say it's the best one if we're, we're kind of putting the the kind of the protocols together, but it's one that because of maybe sports organizations has been put on a pedestal as maybe the, the highest one. So, you know, like major league baseball players, like they're not allowed to touch any other products that don't have NSF certification on it. And a few other, the sports organizations have a little bit looser of a, um, uh, certification thought on it, but, um, it's still always like NSF to them has been put up there on a pedestal that says this is, the prime one. And that is also, I think the longest standing one. It might yeah. be, it might not be. So it it's might also just be like a choice. Yeah. A time element as well in there. Um, it's also like kind of a pseudo, um, government foundation organization type of thing. So there's mm -hmm. some different things going on in that sense, but it's the idea that a consumer is really just looking, am I actually getting what I am expecting out of this product? And am I not getting what I don't want in the product? And that's kind of what they mostly focus on. And if, if I'm thinking as a consumer, if I want to buy something and it's only going to cost me maybe a dollar more as a consumable product to have something that has a third party certification might be better to just buy that product. Cause at right. least, you know, you have, you have an understanding that that is exactly what it is because just having a, and we'll probably get into this point, but most people are assume like a high quality product means that it's transparent labeling mm -hmm. that has zero to do with it. it like anybody can create a transparent label that has nothing to do with quality so you have to think past third you know the the transparency just because a product is transparent label does not mean it's good um same with proprietary blend it, it matters ultimately what is in the product is in the product and what's not supposed to be in the product is, is not in the product it has nothing to do with how somebody sets up the label in um illustrator right I want to like lay out for people there are, there are there are many different third party certification programs out there. Um, the three most popular, which Josh hit on NSF, which is certified for sport. There's Informed Choice and there's BSCG, which is banned substance like free, basically control group. Um, are the three big ones that I see. Um, I, I there may be a couple handful of other ones out there too that are maybe gaining steam. Collectively, and I just want to read just a quick little synopsis on, on what each one is. So like NSF, which is certified for sport, certified for, for sport. On their site, it just says, to meet the growing demands of athletes, coaches, and those all concerned about banned substance and sports supplements, NSF International created Certified for Sport Program. The program certifies that what is on the label is actually in the bottle. Uh, what is on the label on the bottle is actually in the product and does not contain unsafe levels of contaminants, prohibited substances, or masking agents. So that's what they do. Um, informed Choice is very similar to what they do to basically like banned substance testing service, so they also offer that. Um, these are all very similar. Like BSCG means they go through and they say, like, we offer, like, a complete suite of testing, uh, making sure that it's done in a GMP facility. There's no banned substance in it. There's no drugs. Like, so they're all very, very similar. So then that becomes, like, confusing then to a brand being, like, well, which one's the best? Well, I don't necessarily know there's one that's best yet. I mean, maybe there is. Like you said, NSF has been around probably the longest in informed choices there, too. But I also want to let people listening to this know 
just because that stamp is on the product doesn't mean it's efficaciously dosed. It doesn't mean it's going to be the most effective product on the planet. What it means is that what's on that product label is actually in the product, and you're not getting anything that's going to trip up a drug test. At least you shouldn't be. So to Josh's point, like if you're an athlete and you're in a drug-tested organization, it's your choice, but you can either take the, take the chance of buying a supplement from a high-quality company that you know is high-quality but doesn't have this certification – or buying something from maybe a company that might not be as more might not be as efficaciously dosed, but has a certification. That's a tough spot to be in because I think of we like to I, I like to bring up brands on this podcast with them, but I always I always use like Mark Laser and Nutribio because they do third party testing. They publish the third party testing results in terms of efficacy of their products on their on their um, website. Now I've toured their manufacturing facility. It is beyond GMP. It's beautiful. Like I trust Mark with all like everything I have. I trust with Mark but he doesn't have one of these stamps of approval. So like if there's a Nutribio, and this is not anything against Nutribio at all, but if there's a Nutribio product on the shelf at uh, you know, a GNC or a vitamin shop, and then next to that is, I don't even know, like a brand. I think, I don't know if Nutribolt has some of these certifications on it. I don't know if Cellucor does. Um, I'm trying one, to think. one you can think about, like Dimatize has yeah. um, informed choice, yeah. Right, So and then there's Dimatize right next to it. Well, I know from being a, a supplement, quote-unquote, expert that the Nutribio product is going to perform probably better than the Dynamatized product, most likely because of the way it's formulated, but it doesn't have that stamp. So what do you do? And if you're an athlete, I don't know if you can take the chance. Even though Mark Glazer and Nutribio is stand-up, 100% amazing, you can't really take that chance because you just – then you don't have nothing to back on. Like if you, get, if you trip up a drug test because of that supplement – Mark's, Mark's not saying, like, it's not going to be in there. Now, I mean, I mean, he is, but he isn't, right? There's not that stamp on there. These NSF approvals or informed choice stamps are saying it's not in there. So now you have something to kind of go back on and say, listen, I legitimately did take this over-the-counter dietary supplement, unlike some of the MMA athletes who've been taking roids and then just blaming on the dietary supplement. But, like, I legitimately was in a trip of a drug test. Now you have some sort of legality issue to, to, to kind of come to your offense. So there's a lot of good with it. I'm still, like, if I'm trying to put my brand owner hat on, Josh, I mean, like, is it, is it worth it for me? Is my consumer the football player being in a drug-tested organization? Is that my consumer? Probably not. There are some, but is it worth the investment? I, 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 I get why they, they question that, because if it's, I don't know what the costs are. You know the costs more than I do. But say, I, I've, I think for one, I talked to one brand owner, I think it was like eight grand licensing fee plus something else. Not a lot of money by any means, but, like, is that money better spent elsewhere. Am I going to get a better ROI spending it elsewhere, or am I just going to buy this stamp of approval because it's the right thing to do? As a brand owner, I mean, you have to ask those questions because the answers are going to be extremely unique to mm. you, and it's hard to, for us to give generalizations on that. But consumer sets, yeah, the, the athlete is not generally the customer base of most of these supplement companies. It might be 0.1% of the people that maybe you're buying a supplement or whatever, but for the most part, those uh, college, high-end college athletes or pro athletes or whatever, one, they're getting it supplied mm -hmm. through their sports organizations or the college actually is telling them, hey, you can only take maybe Cytosport or, or something that's right. approved um, through their organization, uh, through their college. And so you're not necessarily making it for those people, you're essentially hoping that it, it provides some validity to consumers and knowing, hey, I really want to know exactly what's in my product. Right. I can, especially if it's a transparent label and it has a third-party certification, I, one, know exactly what's in the product, if it's efficaciously dosed to what I'm looking for as a product, plus 
I know exactly that it's in that product. So I'm right. getting what my money is, is putting towards. So there's that level of buyer. And again, that's probably a small set of buyers. Um, again, because it's people that understand both efficacious dosage of sports nutrition type of products and are looking for third party certifications are probably pretty low. And then you have kind of just the general gym goer that is probably at this point, maybe 50 ish percent right. of the, of the uh, buyer set. Um, and they're probably accustomed not to all that care that much, right. you know, not on all that much. Then you have this other 50% of the buying group that is like kind of this new mainstream lifestyle person that's coming into the space that has no really understanding of like anything we're talking about with like the history of, of maybe adulterated products or any, they're, they're new into this whole world. They have no idea. They have, you know, what's going on. Maybe they've heard some bad things or not. And they're very kind of, influ they're, they're, they can be easily influenced. And right. this then becomes an ability for these brands to market in a sense that certification. They're able to say, Hey, this is what it is. They can have some storytelling around it. And then that could influence a lot of those new mainstream lifestyle buyers that are looking for something, you know, safe and, and, and actually in the product. And it gives them a little bit as a new consumer, it gives them a little bit more confidence mm. in the category because they're like, well, this says it's great. This is you know, something that is going to be safe and everything's going to be uh, good if I buy this product. So you have that element of it. It kind of has a pseudo marketing way of doing it. Now right. to your comment, is there other ways marketing wise? Like, is there another bucket that I could put this in? That's going to do uh, much better from a sales perspective than, than that. Odds are probably yes, right. because you people are more influenced on marketing um, in just a general sense than they are going to be you having to educate them on a very technical part that is kind of a pseudo marketing driver. So you have to figure out what is your kind of core values or what are the reasonings why you're in business. And if it is to just purely create as much shareholder wealth as possible at the um, neglect of everything else, then right. you probably don't even think about that. And we've had a, a discussion on this in our podcast of, a few episodes ago, and, and people um, really liked our thoughts towards both you know, profitab profitability mm -hmm. maximization and then also the, the ethical moral side of things and how we were kind of walking that line for people. So I think it's important for the business owner to really understand, like, why am I in business? Um, Mark, Glazier at, at, at Nutribio, I mean, he makes a decision early on in his business to say, hey, I am going to spend a ton of money to make sure that I'm going to have the highest quality manufacturing and products and sourcing and everything like that. He didn't need to make that decision. He sure. could have easily did the same thing he's doing now um, and maybe just drove up just traditional marketing things and maybe had a lot more money in his pocket, but he probably wouldn't felt as good about how he made his money that he does now. He did it the way he wanted to do it the right way in yeah. terms of what his eyes were. So he had to make those trade-offs. And I think a lot of brands have to think about that when they are making a decision um, around third-party certifications. Mm -hmm. It's not for everybody, no. but you have to make, if it makes sense for your business and you want to be around long term and it's going to sustain or add value to your brand story over time, you have to look into it. Right. No, 100%. And then in Mark's case, again, I don't think it's a bad thing he doesn't have this because he controls every little ingredient that comes in that manufacturing facility raw. 
it's tested like 2,700 times, it seems like, um, to offer third-party certification. But to, to Josh's point, there is a marketability of, of these certification programs, too. And, you know, looking across the three, the three uh, programs, like um, Informed Choice has the biggest big brands. I mean, I'm looking at Informed Choice here. They have Muscle Farm, Optum Nutrition. They have the Abacares of the world, the Cage Muscles, the gyms. I mean, the, the list of, of brands that actually use this one, is, it's impressive. There's a lot here. Um, and, I, and I know that there's some of these brands have some really good quality formulas, too. Um, but, you know, the NSF, like Cellucor C4 is on there for NSF. And so is Herbalife, which we've talked about MLMs before on this podcast. So I just want to reiterate to people listening, like these labels do not mean that these are the best products on the planet. It just means that they're safe, they're drug-free, and they basically meet label claims. Now, there are going to be consumers that might ask us, Josh, why isn't there a third-party certification program that will certify a product that's efficaciously dosed? Well, that is a loaded question. That is tough to do because um, a lot of the stuff is based on rodent studies and bovine tissue, and it's just very difficult to say, like, this is the exact dosage you need. So you can't, like, for me, I can come out through Fitness Informer and say, listen, you know, at, at 1.5 grams of citrulline, it's not meaning where it should be. It should be 3 to 5. Like, I can say that based on clinical studies, but there's not a certification program in the world that's ever going to come out and, and certify that product. I could put an FI-approved logo on it. It doesn't mean it's, you know, potentially certified, like, best in the world, but it means it's based on the science to date, this meets the expectations of an efficaciously dosed product. You could get away with that a little bit, but then when you get into the exact stimulants and some of these other things that don't have clinicals behind them and made-up ingredients, basically like a generic that gets a marketing trademark on it, like the, it becomes messy. So as a consumer, it, it, it doesn't exist, and it's not going to exist. But to our point here, like there is a good peace of mind that if you pick up a product with one of these labels on it or stamps on it, like, you know what you're getting is exactly what's listed on that label. You're not getting anything extra. You're not getting anything less. Because Josh and I have been around long enough to know that there are brands out there that will go and just buy a competitive product off the store shelves and send it for testing, and it does not come close to meeting label claims. Sometimes it's actually dangerously dosed in terms of maybe caffeine content being super high compared to what the label claims. That is some scary shit. So I think if that became more known – to people like that this existed and the consumers started to understand like, wow, there are a lot of products out here that actually don't meet label claims because newsflash, there are products that don't make label claims every day in this market. Um, some um, on purpose, some accidental, just through poor manufacturing processes or maybe a bad manufacturer, but it happens. So having this on there does give the consumer a peace of mind, but until the consumer realizes like that there is a need for this, it doesn't add much value for the brand to put it on. So where does, where does the responsibility lie then, I guess, to educate consumers on these? Is it me? Is it the consumers to educate themselves? Is it the third-party certification programs? Or is it the brands that actually pay for these licensing and say, listen, if I'm going to use informed choice as a brand, if I'm muscle farm, what can I do to educate the consumer to let them know why I'm using this and why it's beneficial for them to buy my product that contains this stamp versus Joe's product that doesn't? In my opinion, the third-party testing certifications – have not done a good job at I agree. telling their story, I think marketing. Let's be honest. I think they've I, done a terrible job at it. Yeah, and I think it's mostly because they're science organizations. I mean, you think about it, these are guys that are are super uh, nerdy on the science part of this whole industry. So they don't necessarily, even within their organization, have much from a marketing team. And the one that does have the best, I guess, consumer side or brand marketing side of it is Informed Choice. And that's why you see the names that you see on there mm -hmm. because they do have – 
part of their team that has an ability to get out there and do a little bit more of that. But NSF kind of has always just rested on their name. Um, and then Banned Substance Control Group yep. is a small team and, and arguably, I think for me, it's probably the best protocol. Like if yep. we're, we're, we're just kind of driving home like the three, I think that. But the smallest team and, the, and probably the most um, laid back in terms of like the marketing side. So a lot of people are not maybe aware of them over the other ones, but there's a breakdown that happens because these third party certifications as a whole kind of mm -hmm. grouping them all together have not done a good job at marketing or brand storytelling to the consumer or the brand why they need to be having these third party certifications. And as a consumer, if you have no idea what these things even are, you don't value them in the market right. because you don't know these things should be in there. Yeah. And then brands, it usually gets pawned off on the brands. Now, if you think about today, the environment with brands is, you know, you have compressed margins, you have brands now having to do a ton of storytelling themselves on just their brand because they have to be a direct to consumer brand. They have to have direct communications with con consumers. So it's very hard for them to also build another person's brand. Right. They're essentially building informed choice or band substance control group or NSF. So when you get to that level, why are you going to spend your resources to build something else up? You're just going to try to build up your own brand. So with all the compressed margins and not being able to spend money in different ways and, and things like that, either you're going to spend extra marketing dollars to get the certification out to be uh, valuable to you, or you're going to spend the money on that and it's going to hurt just your cost of goods uh, margin when you're going against a lot of products that have no certifications or lower cost of goods or, or whatever it is. So you have a ton of different things working on the brand side that no longer they can be the ones telling a story. So then it goes down to like consumers that are going to just do their own research, which I said <laughs> earlier, that's a very small percentage right. of people that are going to do the research or it falls back to the industry as a whole or people that have soapboxes like you and I, and, and we're talking about this today because we think it's something that we hope can create some conversation because I know at least on my side, I deal with a lot of other consumer categories. I also deal with a lot of large retail chains. And I'll tell you this, something that people are not paying attention to and they should be paying attention to is that in our category, sports nutrition or just active nutrition as a whole, more retailers are starting to ask for third-party testing yeah. third certifications to get on shelf. Right. They will not put you on shelf. So there's very large, I think CVS's and even like, I think bodybuilding.com is starting to ask certain brands for third-party certifications, mm -hmm. uh, but it's going to start rolling downhill. And then all of a sudden for you to get listed or you to put your own inventory on an Amazon, if you have to show them that you have a third-party certification on your product, changes everything right. because then all of a sudden this becomes extremely important. So if you are a brand that's listening to somebody within the ecosystem of a brand owner, realize that it's not just, is this valuable to the consumer? Mm -hmm. Because if you are dealing with any retailers, odds are in the future, you're going to have to have some type of third-party testing to be on shelf. And you're going to be want to be on shelf unless you are Ghost Lifestyle that has tens of millions of dollars, or Redcon that has tens of millions of dollars coming through your direct-to-consumer site that you don't necessarily have to worry about anything. Yeah. A lot of these brands, you know, they have one, two, three, five percent of their revenue coming from direct-to-consumer. It would crush them if all of a sudden they can't be on shelf at a grocery store mm -hmm. or a Walmart or a Costco or Amazon or, you know, whatever. All of a sudden, your whole business breaks down. So you have to start thinking a little bit on that side of things, at least on my side. I've seen it already happening in some of the meetings and things that I've talked to people on that side of the business in retailers. Mm -hmm. So I know that it's going to start to come down in the next, 
you know, certain amount of years. I come from like big food, right? When I was at Mills, one of the things for us was like you think of the the, the you think of gluten free and how important it is because celiac is is dangerous, right, for everybody. Like we could have done internal gluten free claims and put our own custom made bug on our boxes, which we did a lot of. But there also was an opportunity to go out and get that certified gluten free bug. You pay for it, but the consumer recognized what it was because that organization did a really good job of explaining what they do, and that's where we have big problems here. In this is like informed choice. Uh, NSF, to your point, um, these, these third-party organizations have not done a good job of educating who and what they stand for. And if they're going to – and I always say, like, think about brand ingredients in this space. When Dynamine came out, like, for the consumers to care, they have to know about it. Who did the majority of the education on Dynamine? Unfortunately, in this case, it was the brands. And what the brands did in, in terms of Dynamine is they made it out to be the next DMAA, which was completely f false. It was not ever meant to be that. You could talk to – Matt Titlow, and you could talk to uh, Compound Solutions. They never said that, but they had the opportunity to control that messaging, and unfortunately, they allowed the brands to, to do it. Um, and so then that's why with, with like Dynamine, for instance, when consumers saw it was on um, a product label, they bought it, and then they were disappointed because it didn't perform to the level that in which their expectations were. So I think in this case, like, yes, they could, you know, NSF and Informed Choice could lean on brands. They could give a discount to a certain brand if the brand agrees to help educate consumers on what that actually is. But you also have to have an understanding of what that brand message is because as soon as you allow somebody else to speak about your brand, you, you just gave up all rights to speak about your brand messaging unless it's in like contractual rights. So I still think the burden of this falls back on the certification programs. Like they need to get up because they have two things here. One is like if they educate the consumers to the point where they create consumer demand, now brands are going to be forced to buy that damn license. If you're going to be quiet about it, it's going to be, A, it's going to be very hard to sell. I'm assuming, like, informed choice, like you said, is probably the most well-known by consumers, given especially some of these brands that are on here. But even they have not done a fantastic fantastic job of, of education. Um, and, like, your NSF, which is great, and it should become more popular. Like, they just, to your point, they don't know how. They're science people. Like, they don't know how to market. Um, so, like, they could partner with brands like us, you know, people like us to help get that word out there and get that message out there, which I think they probably will because I think there is a benefit to this stuff. With this industry and with as many contract manufacturers as there are and as, as many products as there are in a $40 billion industry, we need stuff like this. Again, it doesn't mean that the product is going to be the best product on the planet. It just means you're not going to trip up a drug test and you're buying what you're actually buying. Like you're not being fooled on that label. And that to me is super important. And you'll have certain retail or certain brands maybe like the Nutribios of the world who control every step of the process. They're vertically integrated. They don't necessarily need this. But Mark someday might be like, you know what? I don't need it because I know what's in my products. But the consumers now are demanding it, so I kind of have to put it on there. I kind of have to go out and pay for this licensing fee because that's what the consumer wants. And Mark's a guy that wants to give the consumer what they want. So I do think that there is a huge potential for these, these third-party cert stamps on, on the product label. But until these certification programs do their part in terms of educating, it's going to be hard to sell it to brands. And brands just don't care until then because, quite frankly – you look at some of the biggest brands in the industry right now, some of the biggest money-making brands too, uh, and all that of Optimum stuff, but like brands, 20, 25, $30 million brands, they don't have it. So for them to say, yeah, we have to spend X amount of dollars and take out of their margins, it's a tough decision for them to make when they made that much money without it to begin with. Yeah, it. we hear a lot around, at least our circles, about you know, how there's a lot of like shady activity and, and a lot of, uh, you know, be that from a retailer side or be that from the brand side or, or whatever it is that there's, you know, so selling black market products or gray market products or, 
you know, SARMs or, or all these kind of different things. And usually for me, they always um, kind of miss the miss the point in terms of like how how this all fixes. And it needs to be driven, at least in the cycle, like by consumers demanding that brands, you know, meet certain standards. They buy only you know, certain products based around uh, the value of be these third-party testing certifications or something like that. There's, you know, the capitalistic markets you choose in, to support what you think is, is going to be best. Right. And then on the opposite side, you have the retailers expecting an elevated um, level of, of certification or safety with these products. And somebody like an Amazon going out and doing that completely changes the whole um, system. It would clean up a ton of different things. And, and I'm not necessarily saying that I want Amazon to go out and just do that because it's going to take some time for everybody to adjust to it. But I think that if an Amazon all of a sudden asks for that, or if it's a, um, you know, some of the major online retailers or, or something like that, it changes the game in terms of what the brands can do because now the consumer is asking for something and retailers are asking for something. And a brand wanting to make money, especially if they're trying to do things maybe not all that safe, they're going to have to adjust or they're going to have to figure out some you know, black market uh, Silk Road stuff to like get their products out to people. And it's going to be hard because they're not going to have any distribution to be able to do it because consumers that are shopping at certain areas are only going to want what they want. Mm -hmm. And there's still going to always be a, a, a need or a want, I guess, for consumers to want things that are kind of shady. That's just right. human you know, I mean, that's why drug trade is there. That's yeah. why, uh, you know, sex traffic. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, right. it's, it, you can't eradicate those things because, unfortunately, there's always going to be some bad apples in this whole thing. But it's about breaking it down enough that it just kind of puts it to a point where it's not useful for you to do it. There's not enough of money or distribution in it to make sense. And I think if consumers get the right information and start demanding these things and then retailers start to demand this to get on shelf all of a sudden it changes the system of it it's not going to be the um you and i calling brands out or whatever unfortunately as much as we would like that or even like the the biggest leaders in in the industry calling out brands for doing things wrong way it's just not gonna it, it has to hit in the pocket so it has to come from the consumer or the retail side to really hurt these brands and not incentivize them to do things the wrong way yeah, I want to wrap up the show here on a couple, a couple final thoughts here. One is like these certification programs that we're talking about generally reply or apply to finished goods that Josh mentioned earlier in the show, but they do actually apply to raw ingredients too. There are some like the Banned Substance Control Group does do certification on raw material. So as a brand owner, if you're not using it potentially on your product, like you could look for uh, banned substance-free raws, for instance. But I also think it. It, it does matter what type of the what, – what sector of the industry you're in. And I, I say that because CBD is so big right now. And there's so much fake CBD out in the market right now, people claiming that it's real CBD. Then there's also CBD that may actually have THC, which could trip up a drug test. So now if you have um, – the banned substance control group specifically has a program for hemp and CBD. It's certified CBD, certified drug-free. There's no THC in this. Now that becomes interesting because if you're in that space and you're a CBD user and you're drug tested at work, you should be nervous every time you take it because you just don't know. You don't know. Um, the company could say, yep, there's no THC in here. Yeah, well, companies say a lot of things, Josh. They do. And they may think there's no THC in there, but there might be. So having a third-party certification that actually specif specifies on hemp and CBD and THC-free 
like that would go a long way, I think, with that consumer in the CBD sector. Um, if it, because it, it's going to keep growing, it's going to be a massive portion of this industry, and it already is. But like now, we're talking something that kind of tailors a line between legal and not legal, depending on you know your mindset on it. Like it's legal, but it's one of those like weird areas in dietary supplements or sports nutrition or however you want to put it, wherever you want to put it. So I think there's a, a larger value to the consumer today now for something like that in that field versus maybe the dietary supplement industry. But then again, once these certification programs start to educate the consumer more across the board, they'll be more widely accepted and asked for. But I think CBD is an area where if you could actually have banned substance free or drug free on it, meaning that there is no THC, meaning you won't trip up a drug test, I would buy that CBD if it's guaranteed CBD and there's no THC before any other CBD product on the market, regardless of what I know. Yeah, we weren't mentioning too much around, I guess, CBD through the conversation, but I think yeah, it's a good kind of final point to talk about because, yeah, I mean, it is it's 100% illegal right now from a supplement perspective. Now, right. enforcement is a totally different subject. So because there's not really any regulatory on uh, CBD right now, whatever the brand is saying, there's really not any rules uh, based around like you don't know if they're following the rules or not following the rules because there's not any rules on the books. Right. So it's it, they could be saying whatever they want to say. Um, it's about especially as a consumer, if you are taking drug tests and you cannot have any THC, that one cannabinoid in there, all of a sudden you should be thinking a little bit differently about your CBD product you are consuming because regardless of which Colorado uh, farm farmer's gym that's getting this from the land and it's organic and all this kind of stuff that the brand is telling you about, you have no idea. That stuff could be washed around 320 times before it gets through uh, that manufacturer. There's so many different people that are touching that stuff that it's not necessarily what is actually in the product. So it's, um, it's something to think about. And I think that that's a good final point for people to think about it because I know it's a hot button or a very popular uh, thing for people right now is CBD. So if you are consuming a CBD product, really start to think about the certification or at least the, the efficacy or the safety around those products because mm -hmm. you just have no idea what is actually in those products right now. Yeah, 100%. Love to hear from you guys on if you're a consumer, are these certification stamps important to you today? Are, are they something you're going to look into more maybe as a consumer? Um, and will they be more important in the future? And if you're a brand owner, I know we have a lot of brand owners that listen to this podcast and interact with, with our podcast that we post. You know, if you're currently using the stamps, love to hear your reasoning why. Like, what's your reasoning behind it? And if you're not, what's your reasoning why? Or is it something that you're going to consider? Because I have had conversations with brand owners who today do not use it, but they have been having discussions about using it because they feel it's going to be a very important part of our business. Um, so I'd love to get feedback from those on our social channels. We're at Two Guys, One Shaker Cup over on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify. You can watch us on YouTube as well. Um, we've had some great engagement lately on a bunch of our episodes. We want to keep it going. We, um, I love it. It's been great. It's been really cool to see the feedback and the comments of people who either agree or disagree with us. Um, but that's what this podcast was created for, to open up discussion, to make people think maybe a little bit differently because we bring a perspective that not everybody agrees with. And so at times, Josh and I, we don't agree on certain subjects. Um, but that's, you know, bringing these topics up for discussion is how we make improvements and advancements in this space. And if we can do that by having an open dialogue, it goes an extremely long way. Subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup. 
Instagram, and Twitter.